Dan Dickow alongside Adam Morrison. This is Gonzaga Nation on the Gonzaga Nation Media Network. We are talking about the big-time matchup in South Dakota. That's right, South Dakota. Not in Waco, Texas, not in Spokane. It's Baylor and Gonzaga at the Pentagon in Sioux Falls. I've been there before. Adam, you're going to be going there for the very first time. I think you're going to be blown away with the facility uh, before we talk about favorite gyms, which the Pentagon's one of mine, what are your thoughts on this Baylor game and this Baylor team? Uh, it's going to be a tough matchup. Obviously, there's a storyline of of playing them um, after losing that national championship game a couple of years ago. So that's going to be on, on the back of you know Zag fans' minds, and it's a, an opportunity for us to get a you know a tournament resume type of win on a neutral floor. So it's, I think it's a big game for us coming up. I've been impressed with with Baylor's head coach, Scott Drew. I've gotten to know him a little bit over the years. I know his brother Bryce a lot better just because, you know, we played in the NBA around the same time. You probably played against Bryce as well, I would imagine. Um, but, you know, he took over that Baylor program when basically nobody would touch it. And he's grown it into one of the elites. When you look at a college program that is an elite, what separates an elite from a good or a great program in your opinion? Uh, I think it's a multitude of thing. I think first you got to have the right culture. You got to have stability as coaching staff. Um, you can't, you know, you got to have the backing of your athletic department. So if there's a, a, a down year or a year that you, you know, maybe go 21 and 10 or something like that, that's still a good basketball team and have some tough losses. You can't freak out and let a guy go or tell him he has one more year to get it right. Um, so I think stability is huge. Obviously, facilities help. You know, if you have the backing like Baylor does in that conference, Big 12, that has a lot of money, um, it's easier to recruit if your building is like, hey, you can make a name for yourself, but, you know, we're not playing in rinky-dink gyms. We got weight. We got everything you need. Now you can come down here and be the guy or collectively the guys and, um, you know, make a name for yourself and be legends around here. So I think stability, facilities, backing, um, are all necessary to, you know, try to build a program that's consistent and, you know, long-term that, you know, has a lot of success. There's been a lot of talk about Gonzaga moving to the Big 12, the Pac-12, Mountain West over the years. You know, I, I think there's there's credence and there's credibility to some of those rumors. I think there's a lot of credibility to sticking around the WCC. You know, quite frankly, I think the McCarthy Athletic Center, as much as I love it, there would need to be some changes. There need to be more uh, additional seats. Uh, I don't know how you get around the the lack of football around the program. If there's one thing that's kind of a hindrance in your opinion, what would it be? Uh, like going to the Big Twelve, like either, either the Big Twelve or Pac Twelve. Well, I mean, yeah, I think for me, like if you're just looking at the simple dollars and cents of it, like jumping into those major tv contracts that those you know athletic departments scratch and claw for and rightfully so i mean it, it stabilizes your athletic departments it stabilizes um, a lot of the funding in the university is how do you do it without football so when you join how do you share that revenue um, because like i said if you don't have football why you why are you entitled to that money um, and it's it's big dollars and it's, it's the type of dollars where when they make those TV contracts, they fight over nickels for months. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, like a half a percent here is, you know, $10 million or whatever, you know what I mean? So it's, it's fighting over nickels. Um, and so I just, 
that's the biggest question mark for me is I think we can compete obviously on the floor. I think uh, we have enough, you know, you know, support and, and donors around the, the Northwest that help out to make us uh, relevant as far as facilities. I think facilities get a little bit overlooked sometimes, um, but it is hard to go to a Texas or a, whoever else is in that conference and Oklahoma state and be like, wow, they just built an arena for 380 million. And you know what I'm saying? So like, <laughs> I get that side of it. Um, but for me, it's how does us getting into either the big 12 or the pac 12, or even the mountain West, how do we equate um, without football? The counter to that is, well, our brand is massive and it ups your brand for basketball because we have a stretch on the West Coast for TV numbers, right? So then that's the counter to it. But it, it'd be interesting to sit and then be a fly on the room whenever they have those type of conversations to really hear how the money would get split because that's what it's really about. And, and yeah. people may not like it or not, but athletic departments need to make money to survive. They need to do it for... Um, all the sport, non-revenue sports. I mean, look at UCLA that talked about going to the Big Ten. They said they were $90 million in debt. And that's one of the, you know, best universities on the in the on the West Coast, if not the US, as far as academically, and then with a sports brand or a footprint in the biggest market, second biggest market in the country. And they were struggling to pay their bills. So to me, I know it's a long-winded answer. I I just would have to be really, really curious on how the dollars get split up with a non-football school like Gonzaga. Yeah, I think there's a lot of questions that would have to get flushed out before there was any uh, agreement. But obviously, Stanford and Mark Few would make the right decision, uh, you know, for the university with their athletic department. You are going to be calling the game with Huddy uh, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, at the Pentagon against. Uh, Baylor, as I mentioned, let's quickly go through our favorite gyms at each level. High school level, you played in the state tournament. Uh, you played in the GSL. Favorite gym in the high school level? Home gym, Mead High School, man. No question. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go with uh, I, if if I'm gonna. I agree with you. The home gym in high school, Prairie High School, for me is phenomenal. Um, but there was a there was a high school in in Vancouver, Battleground High School, the old gym. I got to play there my freshman year before they tore it down and rebuilt one. It's it had that Hoosiers type feeling to it. It was built in like the 1920s. There was dead spots all over the floor. It was awesome. Uh, favorite college gym to play in? Uh, hmm, that's a good one. We played in a bunch and sometimes, you know, that answer turns into it's an NBA arena. So I'm trying not to, you know, you know, add one of those schools that we played a, a you know, a fun atmosphere in an NBA arena. Um, as far as like a road atmosphere it, it, with the, the hostility and the feeling, I always like playing in St. Mary's. And I know that sounds funny, but like it's so small and so uh, visceral in there that it, you know, it, I always had fun. I, played well in there multiple times. So um, I guess like St. Mary's was always a fun gym to go to because it was such hate and the games were always good. Yeah. For, for myself, my time at Gonzaga, it would have been Pepperdine because Pepperdine was rolling at the time. They were, they would sell out that gym. Uh, the crowd was great. When I was at UW, we played at Oklahoma state and that gym was awesome. Like it felt like three levels right on top of you. 
Um, I think it's called Gallagher Iba Arena. It was great. How about favorite gym in the NBA? Uh, I think this is probably a cliche answer, but everybody likes to go to Miami. Really? Yeah. It, well, it's FTX Arena. I'm more, I'm curious what they're going to name it now, right? Yeah, that that's that was a bad mistake for everybody, I guess. <laughs> oh, Miami. You know what's fun? What's cool about that is it's literally like you could walk out the loading dock and look out at Biscayne Bay and be like, Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to play minutes tonight. I'd rather be yeah. on a boat out there. Yeah, no, it was. It's just a cool. It's Miami, man. So it's just yeah. like being down there is cool. Yeah, uh, you know, for me, I liked. The Rose Garden, because I grew up in the Portland area. I thought that would be awesome. Um, Madison Square Garden is awesome, but there's no frills to it. There's like nothing cool about it. For me, honestly, I loved, and you're, you're probably going to laugh at the this, this. Memphis and Indiana, I thought were tremendous arenas. Yeah, Conseco is cool. Uh, we played there, obviously, I played there in the league, and then uh, we played there we got blown out by Illinois my sophomore year um, that year that that team that went undefeated and lost in the championship game. Um, but yeah, it's got a weird feel cause it's like this, everything's slanted. Yeah. They, yeah. It's, you know, it's one of the first that really uh, concentrated on no bad seat in the house, which is a cool concept. And I think most arenas now have that feel, the newer ones. Like if you sit nowhere, you know, you're pretty much un, un, unobstructed uh, throughout the, you know, the process. So, um, Conceitico is cool. Yeah, there, there's some cool arenas. Yeah. Now, as a broadcaster, you and I have both been able to go across the country and, and call games. What was your favorite arena to broadcast at so far? And then what is your bucket list arena to call a game at? Well, I think I've done games in Madison Square. Like you said, I've done um, pretty much anywhere. I thought just being in you know, the Climate Pledge Arena um, just how new it was and understanding like how it's built underneath the surface, you know what I'm saying? So they, they kind of made it work, with, uh, you know, the footprint footprint where key arena was and made it work. So um, I was really impressed with that gym when we played there last year. Uh, bucket list. I'd like to like play a game of like, you know, Rupp or like uh, Indiana or something like that. You know what I mean? Like some are historic. It's not necessarily like the aesthetics of the building, per se, but, you know, I like to call a game in the, you know, somewhere where it's uh, got a lot of history. Yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't, I haven't, I've been to climate pledge yet, but I've heard great things. You know, I've had a chance to call a game at Duke uh, for Westwood one radio. I've called a game at Rupp arena. You're going to call a game at Rupp as long as you're still doing the games with GU in the next couple of years. Um, it's an unbelievable atmosphere. Those Kentucky fans uh, will be all over you. That's for sure. But the only problem as a radio guy is you're way up high. Now, I don't yeah. know if the actual team broadcasters are, are down on press row, but the national group, our Westwood one, we were way up high. And my bucket list would be um, Indiana as well. Just the history of, of Assembly Hall and Jay, uh, uh, Allen Fieldhouse at Kansas. Those those are my two. So um, I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if Gonzaga gets a series with Kansas and or Indiana soon, because those are two, two blue bloods that need to be on Gonzaga's bucket list to play. Yeah, no, I, I could see, uh, well, we were trying to do uh, Kansas during COVID, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So like that series was on the table. So I wouldn't be surprised if it gets back. Yeah. Well, you'll be able to check that one off your list too. So, yeah. um, well, 
Uh, can't wait to hear your experiences at the Pentagon in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, one of my favorite gyms. Um, this Gonzaga season, a lot of people are disappointed in the record. I think it's just a bump <laughs> in the road because this team, in my estimation, uh, has a long ramp to get good. I think they got the talent to get good. It's just finding out how to put the pieces in the right place and then get guys to understand where those pieces fit, understand it, believe in it. And then once that happens, I, I think this will be a tremendous season. Yeah, no, I mean, four and two is not the end of the world. We lost to obviously a really good Texas team and then we lose to a really good Purdue team that we just talked about. So it's like, I mean, it's early. I mean, we still have a lot, like you said, a lot of uh, chances to improve. Um, you know, some of it's just bad matchups, um, but it's, you know, I mean, I always want to know, like people complain when we win by 35 every year, all year. And then now it's like the games are closer and, and that's a problem. So it, it, sometimes it's funny to listen to the conjecture that the fans uh, do or do not like, and it's, you can't please everybody is basically what I'm saying. Amen to that. So appreciate the time. Uh, we will be back next week. So uh, have yourself a great trip back to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And uh, there is one restaurant. I'm going to try to look it up and remember what it is. Adam, you got to go check it out. It's one of the best I've been to across the country. Sweet.